Are you ready to depart? Are you ready for the day when it might be your departure day as a Christian, as a follower of Christ? One of the things that really impresses upon us from that passage that we read towards the end, those verses from verse 6 where Paul talks of his own position before his God and Saviour, is that he knows he's ready to depart. He knows he's done that ministry that God has given him. He's urging that Timothy likewise would fulfill his ministry. Whatever it is that God has given you to do, do it. Do it well. Do it for Christ. So that when that departure day does come, you'll have that, own, that same sense of assurance that, that Paul had. We all face something unavoidable. We all face something unavoidable. Uh, I used to work in a high street bank and there used to be something that was unavoidable. There were quite a few things that were unavoidable, but one of the things that was unavoidable was when uh, the men, and occasionally the odd woman, but they were mostly men, arrived at the branch with their little green ink pens. The bank inspectors. Employed by our own bank, under no outside uh, regulator. There, were, there was not, none of these off-coms, off-watches, off-gens back then. It was all done internally. And it was the bank's own inspection regime to make sure that all is in order. And uh, sometimes, if you were going to have a full inspection, which, depending on the size of the branch and office you worked in, could sometimes take several weeks, you'd normally get quite a few weeks notice that they were coming because there was many things that you had to have ready for when they arrived. Uh, sometimes they do what they called an interim inspection and usually you just get a couple of days notice. But they wouldn't go through everything with a fine tooth comb like they would in the full inspection. They just have certain things and usually every time they came on one of these interim inspections They'd look at different things each time they came. But then, just occasionally, they'd do spot checks and they'd just arrive unannounced, out of nowhere. Where did they come from? And they'd just pounce and they'd sweep in through the branch and, and, and they had access to anything and everything. And they'd make all of these spot checks and they'd run round like a whirlwind. And after a few hours, they'd be gone. We were expected to be ready. Whether it was with many weeks' notice, whether it was just a few days' notice, or whether it was completely unexpected, not anticipated, unannounced, we were expected to be ready. And you know, we don't know for the most part uh, 
when our departure from this life is going to take place. Some people get some warning. Sometimes it's very unexpected. It's quick. We didn't know. And none of us knows which is going to be the case for ourselves. The Bible tells us that every single one of our days is numbered by him. The Bible tells us that all of those days are formed and known to the Lord even before there were any of them. And so it's all under, all under God's sovereign control. It's all in God's sovereign, sovereign will and purposes. But we don't know. But that day of departure is coming. And will we be fit and ready for our departure. The 18th century philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau said this, he who pretends to look on death without fear is lying. To which I would say, he who looks on death without fear is a Christian. That should be right, shouldn't it? Look on death without fear. We actually sang those words this morning. No fear in death. There'll be sadness. There'll be much sorrow. There'll be heartache. But no fear. Paul knows, we can't be quite sure how and why he knows, but he knows that his time of departure is at hand, verse 6. Some commentators suggest that actually it may have been only a matter of days or weeks after Paul wrote these things that his departure actually took place. But he says, I know my departure is at hand. I'm already being poured out, he says. That's a, that's a reference to the, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament where drink offerings were poured out onto the altar. The pouring out is not an instant thing. It takes a little time for it to pour. And the offering wasn't complete until the very last of the wine has been poured. But Paul uses that picture to say, that, that's the position I'm in right now. The pouring has begun. I'm already being poured out. So it's not that the, the jug is there just waiting to be poured. It's already started. Soon, soon, my departure will take place. But what a great word he chooses to use. Departure. Because the word that Paul used was used colloquially at the time in a number of different circumstances. It was used to describe a soldier's tent being taken down as he broke camp to move on. It was used to describe an animal's tether 
being untied as it was to be led away somewhere else. It was used to speak of a ship being untied and made ready for sea because it was about to depart. And so in each of these uh, pictures you see departure is not seen to be the end. Departure is simply a moving on. Are you ready for that time when God moves you on? These are the words as we read them of Paul, of a man for whom death holds no fear. A man who's ready to, depart, ready to depart. Are you? Do you have that confidence in the face of death? I'm ready. It's a great position to be in, isn't it? Now, when we look at what Paul is able to say <clears throat> as he moves into verse 7, we see that as far as he is concerned, there are certain things that are unquestionable. Unquestionable. His faithfulness to his saviour cannot be called into question. And he, he picks up on themes that he uses elsewhere in his writings, those of an athlete and of a soldier. He says, I fought the good fight. And he says, I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I fought. And fought is a word in the Greek from which we get our word agony. Agonizing. Oh, tough. Oh, what a battle it's been at times. What battles Paul has fought physically and much more than that spiritually. What great battles he's embarked on. What great gospel campaigns he has set out on for his God and for his Saviour. It's been hard exertion at times. I've struggled and agonised for Christ. But I've fought the fight. And he says he's finished the race. I've finished it. And I want you to notice... What he doesn't say, sometimes it's very helpful to know what is not said. He doesn't say, I've won the fight. And he doesn't say, I have won the race. Because although he's using those pictures of the soldier and the athlete, although he's using the picture of fighting and running, it's not a competition. He's not competing against other Christians. It's about the fact that he has persevered. It's about the fact that he's completed the ministry that God has given him to do. Uh, sometimes on a Sunday morning, odd occasions through the year, we sometimes have to give announcements about difficulties that you might have getting to this building because there's some road race taking place around the city. Uh, and some of them consist of very serious runners and they've got all the proper gear on. And others of them, of course, are fun runners. Uh, some of 
whom are in rather strange costumes. And, and for them, running the race has got nothing to do with winning. Running the race for them has got nothing to do with the time that you finish. Running the race is simply about crossing the finishing line. That's all they care about. As long as I've actually run the race, that's the only important thing. People are sponsoring me for money, for, for the charity that I'm ra raising money for. The only thing they want to know is that I've actually finished the task. They've promised to give me this money if I run the race. The important thing for me is running the race to its completion. So it's not in competition. It's just about completing. It's about fulfilling. And Paul's confidence is that he's finished the task that God has given him. And he's run the race that God has given him. I've kept the faith. And we talked only a few days ago about the faith. God has kept him in faith in Christ. But he's also kept the faith. He's continued in the gospel. He's continued in gospel truth. He's continued a life of obedience and service and love for his God and his Savior. Everything that Christ expected him to be as an apostle in the early church, Paul was. Everything that the people were looking for in one who is an apostle and establishing new churches, Paul was. Everything that Christ required him to teach and to keep, he taught and he kept. All of the errors that were going around that God required him to protect the Lord's people from, he protected them. He kept the faith. He did that which was required of him. He had an unquestionable life and testimony. I've done what God needed of me. Now I wonder, if you or I stood and made such a claim as Paul makes, would there be some raised eyebrows around the place? Oh, really? Would there be all kinds of guilt pangs in our own heart? Have I really run the way I could have run? Have I really kept the faith the way I ought to have kept it? The apostle shows us that we can wrestle with the Lord in prayer. We can take seriously the word of God. We can commit ourselves to Christ in such a way as in God's grace and in God's mercy have a good conscience before the Lord. I've done the ministry God gave me to do. This is not to suggest that Paul was a perfect man. This is not to suggest that Paul never made any mistakes. But before his God and his Saviour, he just has this <clears throat> confidence in his soul that he's done that which God gave him to do. And because of that, now that he knows his time is short, 
He's at peace. What a wonderful thing it is to have the kind of peace that Paul had, knowing that his time was nearly done. No big regrets. No wishing, if only I could just go back and put this right. Great position to be in. And what a wonderful thing it is to see in him. And a great encouragement to each one of us that we can be ready for that day of departure. Even if we don't know when it is. And I'm greatly encouraged by that. Paul reminds us, finally in verse 8, that we have this unimaginable reward to look forward to. And that's another reason why he's ready for his departure. Because on the one hand, he has this confidence that before the Lord, and by God's grace and with God's help, he's battled and served and worked as a faithful servant of Christ. And on that score, he's ready for his departure. But he's also looking ahead because he's moving on and he knows what he's moving on to and how he's ready for that. He's been longing for this day. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. See, it's not just what he's leaving behind now. It's what he's moving on to. A crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And to all who've loved his appearing. And of course, Paul's confidence here. His confidence is not on what he's done. His confidence is not in the fact that he's run the race and fought the fight. Therefore, God owes me. No, no. I have done that, but God is the righteous judge and he's going to see me in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, he's going to reward me according to being in Christ. And I'll be set free from all of these struggles and I'll receive that great reward that God has for me. And so Paul shows us that a Christian can be ready to depart. A Christian can be ready to depart with no fear. And I want to leave that with you as an encouragement you too may be ready to depart this world. It may be God gives you some notice. My dad got some notice. We knew it was coming. Many of you have had relatives in that situation. Sometimes it takes us by surprise, Carol. But are you ready to depart? I think Chris was. Isn't it great to know that you can be ready to depart this world? That's the hope that we have in Christ. You only have that in Christ. Maybe there's someone here and you know you don't have that kind of hope. You know you're not ready. The thought of departing this world just fears you, fills you with trepidation. It doesn't have to. If you turn to Christ. The thought of leaving loved ones behind. Fills you with trepidation but it doesn't have to. 
because here we are, the ones who've been left behind. And we have comfort and peace and hope. This is the gospel. Fills us with hope and joy and peace. No fear in death. Whichever side of the equation you're on, no fear in death. That's what's offered in the gospel through Christ.